Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins. <laughs> Big conversations. Budding aspirations. Our goal? To make EdTech accessible and teaching exceptional. Join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of January 2024 as we make education better together. Ticket off your Christmas list today. Get your free ticket before the 13th of December deadline. Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Good evening, I'm Amanda Kinsley-Smith. Thank you for joining me for my second show with Teachers Talk Radio. This is the Sunday Late Show on Sunday the 10th of December. My guest tonight is Erica Luke, who has 30 years of experience as a teacher and who's been a senior leader since 2002. We'll be looking at a good news story tonight with some insights into how you can stay in teaching without it burning you out. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Well, there seems to be a lot of talk at the minute about some of the negative news stories around recruitment in the teaching profession. And rightly so, in this week where just on the 7th of December there was uh, the initial teacher training census statistics being published, showing that the government's missed its target for secondary teacher recruitment by 50%. So there's a lot of negatives and on these sort of dark December nights, Tonight, we have something a bit different. Tonight, we have Erica Luke, who has been a teacher for 30 years and counting. She's not finished yet. And who has been a (laughs) senior leader since 2002. So just over 20 years experience there as well. And what we are going to be doing tonight is looking at some of the positives in teaching. So looking back at the, the 30 years in teaching that Erica has so far, discussing why she has stayed and giving some advice on how to not just survive, but thrive in teaching and very importantly, have a life outside it as well. So Erica, I can see you're already in with us. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, No problem, Amanda. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. I'm not going to spend too much time introducing Erica because she's going to be much better at doing that than I am. But what I will (laughs) say from the off is, do you know when people are described as atomic? Erica, look, is atomic. So, so in terms of 
energizing and the passion that she has for everything that she has done, not just in a school setting, but in, in the rest of her life as well, which is exactly what we need because we're, we're teachers, yes, but we're, we're lots of other things as well before we ever entered the classroom as a teacher. So again, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight, Erica. No problem at all, Amanda. Great way to spend a Sunday night. Isn't it just? I've already brought my husband. My husband is sitting in the green room, you know, so I was sitting there as if I was in the green room waiting to go, you know, so all's good. At least the technology has worked. That was my major issue, but it's all good. I know, very, very relieved whenever things come together in that direction. Now, exactly. I'm always interested in the story of how yes. people ended up teaching in the first place because there's always yeah. such a variation. And sometimes you get yes this is what i've always wanted to do but so often it's something different you know it's people have taken different paths in so as julie andrews famously sings in a movie that's often on at this time of year let's yeah. start at the very beginning it seems beginning. to be a very good place to start to start so what was your inspiration what drew you into teaching did you have family in teaching already or what what drew you to teaching as a profession well, I um, when I was at school, I absolutely loved school um, and I was involved in everything, as my granny would say, but the crib and um, I was in the choir. I was in the orchestra. I was in the drama. I was in the school plays. I was even in the hockey teams, even if it was only the B team, but I still played hockey on a Saturday morning, even though it wasn't very good. And um, I was usually put into the goal. Um, but all of that, I embraced myself totally in school life. And I and as I say, I really loved it. Um, and so for me, it was a very, it was almost like I always kind of had a hankering to give back to that of something that I had gleaned so much and learned so much. And also while I was at school, I ended up both inside school and outside school doing different uh, leadership roles, voluntary. And I kind of thought that that was really where, that that's what I really enjoyed. Um, I remember meeting my um, husband's mother for the first time, my now husband's mother for the first time, and she asked me what I liked, and I said, I like uh, drama and I like organizing people, um, and I think that was <laughs> yeah. sort of my skill set. Um, and then I, I also, obviously, with most people, I had two main teachers. I had an English teacher um, who taught me for five years, and way back then, you know, when I was 11, that's 41 years ago, she was doing active uh, teaching things. Like I remember doing uh, an advert for a, a chocolate bar, like singing it. You know, she was very into that and then not realizing it at the time. But my friend's mother um, died when she was 13. And what she was giving to her was loads of pastoral care. Obviously, I didn't recognize that's what it was at the time, but I knew she was very, very kind. Um, and then I had two history teachers who were absolutely passionate about history, like they loved history. And they were dead easy to get off on a tangent because they read so many books um, and they were such so well read, so knowledgeable. And they took us on loads of trips. So I really felt that that's where my skill set lay. Um, and actually, funny, I was looking at an old report. You like this, uh, Amanda? I was looking at a report and it said, um, Erica loves to involve herself in school life, including things that don't concern her. Um, oh, so, wow. <laughs> so you can imagine busybody me. Um, and That's then a diplomatic went, way of putting it, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, and then I went to, um, and then I started, but I couldn't find the passion for what it was that I wanted to teach. Um, and then when I went into sixth form, I started to do A-level economics and that became my passion. I loved it. I was an absolute economics nerd. I even had a stock exchange sweatshirt. That's how, much, how nerdy I was. Um, and I used to hold revision classes um, for the other pupils at lunchtime because they didn't understand economics. And I understand it. You know, it was just like I loved it. So I, I did that. And so 
that made me really want to be an economics teacher. Both of my parents had businesses. Um, but so it wasn't teaching was never, there was no one in my family who was a teacher, but my parents have always been very supportive of what I wanted to do. So they were very happy, you know, if, that, if that's what I wanted to do. But one stumbling block to it was uh, the careers. And you'll recognize this, many of you who are listening uh, from the fact that, you know, when you are academic, uh, there's a certain expectation that you go in a direction and you know in my time it, and it still is the same if it's literary it's law and if it's you know sciences it's medicine and I went to the careers teacher and she was what you would describe as a rottweiler and she was not like what I would I haven't said that my boss calls me the rottweiler sometimes but I don't <laughs> think I, I don't think I'm in her league uh, she was wild um, and she basically told me that I wasn't being a teacher that I was going to Queen's to do law and a message um, and so I found myself having to apply to law um, and getting the grades and actually having to go um, because I thought, oh, sure, I'll just rock around to economics, you know, and say, look at me, I've got three A's, you know, can I come in here? Um, but of course, uh, that didn't happen. Um, and so I started the law, was very miserable. I went around every Friday, knocked on the door, begging for a place. And finally, after about two months, I got a place in economics and you know what Amanda it was amazing because there was only 66 in the course and 60 of them were men so it was a one to ten ratio for the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> and so from there I did my economics degree and then obviously I went on to do my PGCE um, and as you said earlier um, very interesting one thing that I will always remember from the start of my PGC was the lecture on the first day saying all of you people represent the successes of the education system you all think that it's wonderful because you had a fantastic experience and that brings me back to what i was saying earlier that's why i became a teacher because it was such a great experience for me but there he was standing saying you know you're now going out into a world where not everybody thinks like that and i mm -hmm. always remember that because it's so important you know we think that because we enjoyed school we loved school we went and our parents maybe were engaged with them as well that that's the same for other people um, and also on that PGCE course, um, there was, uh, and you were talking about energy and, and that, um, whenever I did the micro teaching, which is the bit where they video you teaching, and then they give you feedback. And I remember the lecturer saying to me, you know, Erica, you know, give me feedback on the lesson. Um, and then he said to me, but with that level of energy, you will be burnt out in two years. And I would like to say that it proved wrong. Um, after 30 after 30 years I, I do flag now towards the end of an hour and 10 minutes um, and I do go to bed probably about half eight on a Friday night but having said that I think I'm still able to deliver perhaps what I delivered uh, all those years ago see and this is why I was saying that this is a good news story and this is such a, a great inspiration then for people to say look it is possible and even whenever yeah. some people are telling you it's not yes it is and you're the living proof it so is. really you have been a teacher yeah. since you were in sixth form Yes, yes, exactly. If you were holding revision yeah. classes. Holding revision classes, yes, for uh, A-level economics students. Yeah, it was definitely in my blood. <clears throat> I hope you still have that stock exchange jumper somewhere, Erica. Oh, I you know. do, I do, I do. It's navy and it's <laughs> lovely, yes. <laughs> and you can already see there how tenacious you are. We've got evidence of that then. So every Friday you were going around to see if you mm -hmm. could get onto that economics yeah. degree course. Yeah. And that's you something know, and that was, I'm sure has come in helpful as a teacher. 
yes, totally. You know, you do have to be, you do have to be determined. And, and, you know, my view, I'm always very big into injustice, you know, and, uh, you know, I was thinking like, there I am with my, you know, three A's and there's people sitting in there that have got B's and C's like, why can't you let me in, you know? Um, and, it, and it went back to the careers, you know, at the end of the day and careers advice is so important. And that's one of the things in school, you know, at, at the, you know, the school that I'm in, that that is a big thing. Careers advice is so huge. And what, what careers teachers say to you really do, does have a major impact. But I will tell you something, Mandy, you like this, because whenever I uh, applied for my first job, um, I was looking at my, um, I think now my husband tells me that when I applied for jobs, there was no such thing as a CV. It hadn't been invented yet, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> um, it might've been an application form. I'm not too sure. But I looked at it and I remember looking at it and thinking it doesn't have enough. It, you know, all the extracurricular is drama, music, you know, that kind of thing. There's no sport on it. So I wrote on it that, uh, you know, I really, really, I, I, I play badminton. Now, my plan of badminton was meeting up with a friend of mine the odd week uh, at the leisure centre and talking to her at the net. Never actually played any badminton. <laughs> um, and so when I got the job, um, and I came in in the September for my timetable. Not only was I taking year 10 games and badminton, but I also was running the entire badminton teams. No. And I actually, yes. And I actually didn't even know how to play it. Neither did I know how to score it. <laughs> and of course, in those days, there was no uh, Google. So I had to go to the library and, and get a book out. And um, it's, it, I think it's a good lesson because I think that sometimes when we are applying for jobs and we're looking at, as a newly qualified teacher, we want to bulk out what we do. It's not that you're, well, when I say I'm lying, I suppose I was lying. It was a wee white lie. I did kind of play Bumson. But, you know, you want to make out. But realistically, um, in terms of those things, you're better to stick to a couple and to really have a passion about them rather than try. If you come into an interview and you tell them that you're going to do this, 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 and about 10 things, you know, the people interviewing you, that's not possible. And so that's definitely one lesson I learned. Do not lie on your CV. Or, and I actually even had to go and buy a pair of trainers because I don't do it. <laughs> I didn't even have a pair of trainers. <laughs> so, you know, don't lie on your CV. <laughs> that's one thing not to do, definitely, if you're applying for jobs. Okay, I'm I'm making a little note of this because I'm sure there are going to be lessons the whole way through. So mm -hmm. lesson one, or you'll end up having to get a book on badminton out of the library, have to buy a pair of trainers, and then trainers. Sign, you know, off off you go to teach games. That's oh my right, goodness! Exactly. That must have been an interesting conversation. Yes. Yes. And twenty years of being a senior leader. So Erica, you had told us there about your journey through studying economics whenever you finally bashed down the door and let they made them let you in. And then you went on to do your PGCE after that. How, how did you find the beginning of your teaching career? Well, I find when I when I first started uh, teaching, um, I, I had actually a very a, a wee bit of a difficult start when I went for the interview. It was a very hot day um, and I had to I, I was there very early. Uh, because I was a country person. I hadn't really been to East Belfast uh, very much. Um, and uh, I had parked uh, my car at Stormont. And then when I when I thought, right, it's time to go now and drive to the school, um, I actually, the car wouldn't start. Um, so I had to run uh, all the way from Stormont to the school for the interview. And uh, so that by the time I got there, I was like, I looked awful. Uh, my makeup was sitting on my chin. Um, and then when I got into the interview, I was actually wearing the same Marks and Spencer suit as the principal, 
which again was very embarrassing. To be fair, the chair of the Board of Governors said, would you like to take your jacket off, um, which wasn't so bad. Um, so eventually I did get the job. Um, and when I started, I started into teaching A-level economics and into A-level business studies. And they had never been in the school before. So I was a newly qualified teacher introducing two new A-levels with, with wow. no support um, because obviously no one else was teaching it. And so in terms of, of lessons, I know some baby might not be being quite thrown into that, but I think one of the key things is you have to get yourself a, a support network. And obviously I didn't have a, a, sub, a subject support network. And so what I did was I looked around and I joined um, the Northern Ireland Association for Business Studies Teachers. Um, and there and at that, I uh, got to meet, they met once a month, uh, and we got to meet them and got to meet, uh, talk about, and obviously I was able to exchange information. And from that, I got into examining. Um, and I've been an examiner for 29 years now. Uh, and I got into that. Um, and again, that meant that I met people who were teaching those subjects. And in those days, you know, there was no such thing. Nowadays, we have teacher tutors and we have people who mentor us uh, when we start school. Obviously, at that stage, they didn't have that. But I made friends with two more experienced teachers and they were amazing. You know, I asked them loads of questions. They helped me um, when I had a problem, maybe with the parents. I would have had quite a lot in the beginning, quite a lot of parents who would have been quite vocal about the fact that I had no experience, which was absolutely true, you know, uh, and that's hard to justify because it is correct. Um, and so they would have given me really good advice. So I think, you know, having a supportive network for both my subject and also for uh, just general day to day information about school was really excellent. So you've understood the benefits then of that support network right from the beginning. And yeah. Yeah, I think that I, I think that's really, really important. And something that I have been finding in recent years has really made a difference. And especially in areas where you maybe aren't as experienced, being able to go yes. to people who have been there. And for me, I've, I've been extremely lucky where the first school that I was in made, you know, made full time. I'm still there. And I had people who taught me who were then able to I didn't have that embarrassment of going and saying, I don't know how to do this. Can you help? <laughs> because there were people yes, I'd exactly. always gone to for help. But now I'm finding the benefit as well of the the extended networks that we have yes. um, outside of, of subject areas and within subject areas, within middle leadership, senior leadership, right through the whole gamut. And just how beneficial that can be for your own perspective and for your own sense of well, I suppose in a way, your own sense of beating the imposter syndrome at times yes, and being yes, able to yes. go, do you know what? People struggle with these things. I'm not on my own here and I can help other people when I know what I'm doing as well. Yes, I agree. And a lot, if you know yourself, now that we're back to face-to-face -face courses um, and not just stuck in teams, it is when you go to courses, it's actually about the talking to others. If you use, want to use the term networking, but it's that that actually is usually more beneficial than the content of the course. Uh, and when you go along, um, we have a, an area learning community um, where, where my school is. Um, and, you know, being a member of that, it's great to know that in other local schools, they're having the same problems as we're having. Um, and, you know, and you're obviously able to look at ways to um, to solve those. So, yes, I totally agree that that's very important. Uh, another very lesson that I that I learned um, as well at that beginning is that when you're a newly qualified teacher and you arrive in a school, 
one of the things is everybody wants you uh, because you are new and you know everybody thinks oh there's the new teacher you know they'll help us with you know this club they'll help us with that club and if you're new you have this overwhelming desire obviously to please and not to want to annoy or upset anybody and i would say to anybody who is who's starting in a job that you have to be almost before you go in decide what it is extracurricular that you want to get involved in and have a plan for that from the beginning because then when people ask you you can say well no actually i'm already involved in you know whatever it is i give you a good example when i first started teaching um i was a bit like that you know i was in, because they in the school i moved into they hadn't had a new teacher for about nine years i think so i was like almost like a person in the zoo everybody was looking at me you know here we have a new like 22 year old woohoo and, and so i was being asked to do everything and one of the things that i was asked to do uh, was to do the morn ramble now the morn ramble was going up the morns with the police service and i obviously didn't want to let the person down so i was like yeah yeah i'll do that and i mean again not even thinking like i was thinking it's like going for a dander it is not it's like hiking the morns it was absolutely horrendous. I will never forget it until my dying day. Um, it was snowing. You had to climb over walls. Um, and the only thing that made it slightly, sort of slightly better was the fact that there was some good looking policemen. But apart from that, the experience was awful. And when I came back, uh, people were saying, well, how was the morns? And I apologized to anybody out there who loves rambling in the mountains. Like, if that's your thing, that's fine. But I, they said to me, what was it like? I said, it was awful. I've seen the morns. I will never be back. Um, and I think um, that's a tick, correct. And I think that's a lesson, you know, because I, I see that in young teachers, new teachers coming in, not young, new teachers coming in, um, and they're being grabbed. And I think it's a good idea to have your ideas about what it is that you would like to get involved in um, before you begin so that that doesn't happen to you and you don't get into those dilemmas. And you don't end up up the morns. I, I'm, yes, saying, exactly. I'm saying a theme, Erica, where we've yeah. got we've got badminton ending up all of a sudden yeah, we've got yeah. we've got running for your <laughs> running for your yeah. first interview yeah past, yeah. Past Norman, um yeah in your suit which is an entertaining image in itself yeah do, you know, yeah. Do you know, you know and high you, heels obviously and high heels obviously well, that's what i was going to say but you know yeah. i'm seeing trainers as being a common theme here so maybe as an nqt we need to have another lesson of invest in a good yeah. pair of trainers because you might well yes yeah, that's right you never <laughs> know where you're going to end up and then and one lesson and what sorry what i was going to just say no, one don't. lesson i learned very quickly was don't believe you know don't believe kids i one of the I, i'd only been there maybe about four weeks um and i was asked to take a trip to the lyric theater and it was uh, year 10 and um i was on the bus with them and when we were leaving i was like right is everybody here you know the naivety of being a new, a new teacher is everybody here is anybody missing no we're all here Woo got onto the bus and of course those days there was no mobile phones and then when we got back to school discovered that two girls had been left in the toilets and um, <gasps> so then i learned the lesson of in teaching you always count them in always count them out never assume that what they tell you is actually the truth um so again those were some of my very early lessons that i learned very quickly this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today.
Happy reading. Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins. <laughs> Big conversations. Budding aspirations. Our goal? To make EdTech accessible and teaching exceptional. Join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of January 2024 as we make education better together. Ticket off your Christmas list today. Get your free ticket before the 13th of December deadline. Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. Wow, I bet that was a fun conversation as an, N- as an NQT. I've lost two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've lost two. That's right. Two year dens are missing. So, yeah, in your, in your first few teaching jobs then, were you in long term in places? Was there much chopping and changing? No, I have actually, schools? yep, I have actually been in the same school for 30 years, um, which for a lot of people listening um, would say that is career suicide, you know, that you have to move schools to learn, um, you know, to learn more things that you have to uh, move schools. And I get that. I totally, totally get that. And a lot of people think that if you stay in the one place, that's very boring. Um, and it's also not very, you're very risk adverse. But I, the reason that I have stayed uh, for so long in the one place is because I realize that I am, and this is about, I'm going to talk maybe a, a bit bit more about this later it's about accepting who you are I am not um a I'm trying to think of a good way to put this but I am not your kind of robotic type teacher I am uh quite extrovert um I for example I mean one one you know just to give you a flavor of that uh whenever I was supervising the P- P7 transfer test a parent complained that their child was put off by my bright outfit. I didn't really think it was that <gasps> bad, but, you know, um, so that was a bit embarrassing. But, you know, I am I, I am a certain way and I wouldn't fit into a lot of other schools. And I went for, I did go for, I mean, I, I did go for a couple of other jobs, a few other jobs, but in one that I went for, and I think to be fair, the principal was very, very honest with me and I, I knew him um, and he couldn't make up his mind between myself and, and another and a man. Um, and in the end, he was very honest. And he said to me, look, Erica, the reason is I just think you're too much. I think it would be too much for me to work with you. Now, that I, that sounds cruel, but in actual fact, he's right. You know, I am all singing, dancing, whatever. And that's not going to fit in everywhere. And I realized that. And I think I just have, I became happy in knowing that that's who I am and that I suited that school. And I've worked for four principals in that school and every single one of them gets that and have allowed mm-hmm. me to be me. They've allowed me to do mad things. They've allowed me to do different, organize different things. And they've always been happy to support me. So I made that decision, you know, that that's where I'm going to stay because I think personally for me and my skill base, that's where I'm best placed. See, I think this is really interesting. This is partly why I wanted to get you on as a guest, particularly because there's a lot of talk on Twitter when someone is thinking of leaving teaching and asking for advice. Nearly always, one of the first suggestions is, have you tried another school? Maybe try another school first, because you have to find your fit. You do, you do. And it's because we are not worked. Yeah, yes. And, 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 you know, you are, you know, I read on Twitter as well, you know, that um, 
you know, people are in what they describe now as these toxic schools. And I know there's been a number in the, in the talk radio about that. Um, and, and But again, it's about you and, and where you fit in. I also believe very strongly in relationships. Um, I think that, and I have been able in 30 years to establish great relationships with uh, staff um, with pupils. And now I'm teaching people's children. And I have, I have a lot of relationship with families that I've taught maybe three of the three of the girls, and then I, you know, taught mom as well. And I, people know who I am, and as a result, they trust me, and I am then part of the face of the school. And I really enjoy that. I really enjoy people coming into school and saying, "Are you still here?" I'm like, "I'm only 52," <laughs> you know. Um, but that's 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 the joy of that. And I I appreciate that for a lot of people, that's a negative thing. But for me, it's not, and it's one of the reasons why I'm still very happy in my career and I'm thriving it and love it because I know that where I am is the right place. Exactly. Well, just on that, when you're talking about the importance of forging those relationships and it's with it's with the pupils, it's with their families, it's with your colleagues. I happen to know that that is particularly a strength of yours. And if, they, if there ever was evidence needed of that, the fact that in just, just in recent weeks, You've been invited by one former colleague to help them pick out a kitchen. You've been invited to, you know, new mothers' baby uh, appointments with the yeah. with the doctors and things. You know, you you are trusted. You're trusted by your colleagues who who become your friends to be there yeah. for them through all sorts of things, not just helping them with the school based issues that come up all the time. But that's right. Having and that's that the interest bit... in them the rest of their lives as well, you know, because exactly. we are more than just just one one facet. Yeah, totally. And that that's part of um that's the joy of the job. The joy of the job is yes, of course, teaching in the classroom, but most of the joy of the job comes from outside the classroom. You know, it comes from the child who at lunchtime, a wee year eight who comes up to you. That's our first year in Northern Ireland. She comes up to you and she says, Mrs. Look, you've got some lovely clothes. They, she's for a woman of your shape, you know, and that is so funny, you know, I just think that's hilarious, you know, because she's giving you a compliment, you know, and she's, but she's put her own wee twist on it for a pleasure, you know, and it's, it's those kind of things. And as you say, you know, helping people outside, I always say my office is, uh, is basically like the, I'm actually going to change the sign up to agony and, you know, because in it, there are conversations about mortgages um, co-ownership relationships, uh, I've had a runaway husband, a runaway groom at one time, uh, one of the, one of my NQTs, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's all about uh, of being able to assist with that. And that's the bit that I really love and really enjoy still. And then that's something that became part of your role as well, wasn't it? Where you were in charge of supporting student teachers and NQTs. Yes. How did you find that? Yeah. Well, I, over the 30 years that I've been in school, obviously I've had probably every single job. And even now I am that I open the school up on a Friday morning. So even if now a caretaker role as well, <laughs> um, but I've been uh, head of department, obviously head of year, head of sixth form, uh, head of the house system, head of school community, head of school council. Um, I was on the board of governors for eight years. Um, now my main job is uh, cover and basically the internal organization of school, school life. But one of the jobs that I love the most, which you alluded to there, is the teacher tutor. I was teacher tutor for 18 years. Um, 
I had to give it up two years ago because it just was too much. Uh, but during that time, with the other things I was doing, but during that time, uh, I was looking after student teachers. I was looking after teachers in their first three years of teaching. Uh, and I really loved that. I really loved the mentoring aspect of getting to know those people in fresh in their teaching career, uh, going to watch them teach, giving them guidance, and also learning, you know, learning from them and thinking to myself, gosh, that's a really good idea. You know, that, that's, that's a good thing I could do. Um, and and help, helping to give them confidence, you know, because when you come into school, it's not easy. And to help them and be another, I suppose, sounding board for ideas, another sounding board for their problems or their issues. Uh, and, you know, through that work, I actually then uh, became an associate um, assessor in one of the teaching colleges uh, and going out and watching teachers you know, who were in their teaching practices teaching as well and also doing interviews and that again opened up another wider I was also at a time involved in a book I was a case study <laughs> not in a psychiatrist book but, <laughs> but, in, but in an initial teacher training uh, book as well so all of that opened up lots of windows and opportunities uh, and you know I love I, you know, many of those teachers now uh, you know, are now heads of departments, uh, or now have other roles. And I love seeing them grow in confidence, even getting up and doing an assembly, which I know that was very difficult for them in terms of their nerves. That's really, really satisfying. And it keeps you young, Amanda. It keeps you young. Dealing with young people keeps you young. That's what I say. Must be really interesting going <laughs> and seeing, doing lesson yes. observations in other schools as well and seeing... It is, it is. The I talent that's it, out there in terms of the new teachers coming through and seeing just... The differences between the other schools especially when you have been in one school for so long it yeah, must be brilliant yeah. getting out to see yeah what's it, happening it is, in, the, in the other places too it is too you know in terms of like what surprised me for is the level of support there is a, you know a very big gulf in the level of support that's given in schools and i think it's critical i mean we're you were talking at the start about retention um and people leaving teaching so if you start teaching and it's is not for you or you feel it's not for you if you don't have someone there to support you it's critical that new teachers are supported in those first three years because that's when they're most likely to walk and why waste all that money and then being trained then if they're going to walk so you do have to put in a good secure network um and a good support network for them to know I mean, basic things like where are they going to park their car where are they going to have their lunch i i went out to one school and was really appalled to find that the teacher was eating their lunch in the car because you know mm. she because she went into the, the staff room and you know there was nowhere to sit and she didn't know what to do and people you know so that's the kind of thing that we have to make sure is good in schools and that's all about relationships and that's to me that's the key thing be approachable yep, again it's coming back to the relationships mm -hmm. and i agree completely the past couple of years i've been involved in helping be a, a teacher tutor on a leadership course yes and it's, it's a course I, I did myself a few years ago i have learned so much more from being the teacher tutor and sitting back and listening and helping to try my best to help solve issues or put them in touch with the right people who can help them to solve issues or or those sorts of things and listening to what they have been doing in their schools and giving that bit of support and assistance has helped me make really strong relationships with professionals that I wouldn't have come into contact with otherwise but I know definitely it's improved my teaching yes. and my management yes. and my leadership skills watching them grow in confidence and watching them develop as leaders themselves yeah it's a very very important job and and one that needs to be maybe in some schools elevated to a higher level i think because it is so important for all those reasons that you're saying 
it's devastating to think of, of an NQT I know, going, I know. Sitting, sitting in their Sit, car, yeah, eating their lunch in their because they don't feel welcome. No. No. You know, of course, we're going to be losing teachers if, if that's the yeah, experience. If that's the experience they having. have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just on that. In, so, oh, yeah, sorry. No, no, go, go ahead. Please. No, what, I, what I was going to say to you was, um, you know, the way you being an English teacher um, <laughs> and uh, this week, uh, Benjamin Safan. Safanaya. Oh, Benjamin Zephaniah. Uh, Sorry, I have it phonetically written down, but I still haven't said it right. <laughs> um, you know, died. And I actually was looking at some of his work because I love poetry, um, uh, as I was talking earlier about my English teacher. And um, I just thought as part of this, let me just read, I would read a little bit of one of his poems about people. It's very short, um, if you don't mind, because I think, I think it encompasses what I'm trying to say. Is that all right? Please, please okay. do. I'm okay. A, we're, we're big Benjamin Zephaniah fans in this house. So yes, good. Absolutely. Good. Any any opportunity any. to celebrate his work, definitely please go for please. it. Okay. People need people to walk to, to talk to, to cry and rely on. People will always need people to love and to miss, to hug and to kiss. It's useful to have other people to whom to moan if you're all alone. It's so hard to share when there's no no one is there. There's not much to do when there's no one but you. People will always need people. And I think that just is kind of summarizes up just that piece of our conversation there. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's all about those relationships. And I just don't think that can be stressed enough. And we we know this. We know this as teachers, but sometimes I think it does just bear repeating. And when things get so busy in school, sometimes that can be the thing to go. Yeah. And, and it I can think just make such an impact yes it can and I think as well you know we live in a society where and I keep I always say this to the girls as well um you know in school is that don't be afraid to ask for help I think we live in a world where asking for help is seen as a sign of weakness asking questions means you're stupid but it's not it's actually if you don't ask for help and you don't ask questions you can you can't learn and that is that is critical as an NQT don't sit and stress Never do that. Go and, and, you know, find someone, whether it's your head of department or whether it's your the head of year that you're with, or if you have a teacher tutor, go and ask for help and go and find out uh, rather than sitting at home worrying about it. Because what is very, what I find in my 20 or my 18 years experience doing that is that an NQT comes along with what they think is a mammoth problem. And actually it's very minor, um, you know, and it can be fixed. And I always say everything can be fixed. Always say your problem and we'll try and sort it out. And that's that, that's key, I think, when you're an NQT. Yeah, I, I think so too. And the whole way through, especially for me, whenever I first moved into middle leadership. Yes. Oh, I, I as we say over here, I was scundered having to ask questions. <laughs> I was mortified. I didn't like going to ask questions because I was terrified someone was going to think that meant I wasn't up to the job. Oh, <laughs> and they would, yes, they, would exactly. take it, they would take it away yeah. again. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. That's the best way to get yourself into an absolute nightmare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is worry it... yourself, worry yourself stressed about something that isn't you don't need to worry about, and that I've probably or whoever's looking after you has heard twenty five times, you know, or maybe more. So uh, it's it's not a problem. That's what the teacher tutor. That's what that's why people have those responsibilities and are paid for them because it's their job to help you. That's their job. And I was very lucky because whenever I took over as head of English in my school, mm -hmm. my former head of department was still there. She had stepped yes. down from the role okay. and, and I had stepped into it. And you could not have got a more supportive, mm -hmm. wonderful person mm -hmm. who would be only too happy to help. 
Yeah, and I had it was my that. issue. I had to get over that that fear of I, 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 almost as if it, it would come to uh, come to a question of my competency, which is ridiculous because asking yeah. the questions was showing competency. It was yes, showing awareness yes. of yes. where the gaps were yeah. that I needed yeah. help with. And once exactly. I started speaking, oh, suddenly there was loads of, of support there for me to access. And it's just, as you say, don't sit in stress, ask the questions because it's not a weakness. No, it's not. And it's not. It's you will burn not. out if you're taking all of these things on that you do not need to be taking on. How, how are you, you know, how are you supposed to know um, if you're sitting in front of me, how are you supposed to know what I know when I've been doing it for 30 years? You're not supposed to otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's a journey and we all learn as we go along, you know, we all learn things, uh, you know, that we, that we did wrong. I remember one day, uh, I, I like my history teacher have a tendency to go off on a tangent. Um, and I, this girl, we went off on a tangent. We started talking about tattoos. Um, and I hadn't been teaching very long at the time. And she then was telling, she got a tattoo and then she was talking about the needle. And then in the room, somebody fainted because they were scared of needles. And then someone else vomited because they were scared of somebody fainting. And it was literally like emergency war 10. And I'm standing there going, you know, what am I supposed to do? I, I actually don't even know. Um, and so I evacuated the room, got the school nurse, whatever, and got it all sorted. But I did get called up to the head's office. Um, and she was quite cross because she said to me, you know, what on earth teaching and learning was going on there? And yes. I, I said, well, to be honest with you, there was a bit of first aid being learnt. It was probably a bit cheeky, but um, I mean, they did, you know, because we had to get recovery position and all that out. But those are the things. The first day I took over um, the senior leader um, after Christmas, the principal wasn't there um, and he was away. Uh, something and um, when I rocked into school on the first day uh, there was a burst pipe in chemistry and there was no water to flush the toilets and they and everybody was looking at me saying what are you going to do and I'm like uh, I've no idea I ended up having to evacuate and send everybody home that was on my first day but, <laughs> but that's those are the things that you then you you get the experience you learn them and then you move on so why not go and talk to people who've done it before you know and they'll they'll they can assist you so we've had stories with trainers and now we've had two in a row about evacuations. <laughs> I've also, Amanda, had the police called on me. I went to, um, in, in many years ago, um, in the sick form, the teachers who had sick form would have brought them to their house. Uh, obviously, you don't do that now with uh, safeguarding and all of that. But the sick formers, when they were leaving, came to your house and I had a barbecue for uh, all my sick form. And a couple of other teachers came. Um, one of them was an aerobics teacher and she did aerobics out in my front lawn uh, and one of the neighbours phoned the police uh, because uh, of the noise and you know looking back could you imagine that now like in social media you know teacher you know get you know all over that um, but again these are all the things that you learn as you go along <laughs> interesting very <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of speaking of aerobics and barbecues yes, and all sorts yes. of other things, I know yeah. that something that can contribute to whether or not someone stays in teaching is trying to get that balance yeah. between mm -hmm. work and the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And I know you're involved in well, you're you're involved in all sorts of things outside of school, yeah. but in terms of of sporting organizations mm -hmm. you have you've broken down some barriers in in those and you are you've always been interested in in and i've been really interested in seeing what you have said in the past about work-life balance and having mm -hmm. that space because you don't you don't just find space for these things outside of school because if that no. space was already there you would be filling it with something you have to carve yeah. out space to be able to have positive mental health and be able to mm -hmm. to 
keep your interests up and do other things that then will benefit you by giving you more energy when you come into the classroom. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I have always been, um, you know, involved in lots of things. Uh, you know, I've, I've sang in a band, um, you know, as I said, done examining. Um, I've done all sorts of things. Um, I helped start up a credit union at a time. Um, but I suppose currently my biggest outside interest um, is that of, of cricket. Uh, and I don't play cricket myself. Uh, it was a situation where my son was very into cricket and um, I used to stand and watch. Um, I went and bought a book again, like my badminton, uh, and <laughs> learned the rules of cricket. Um, and um, then, of course, you get a wee job and then you get another wee job. Um, and I also felt that my son had benefited greatly from cricket. I think he learned a lot of really good skills. And so therefore, and I felt that the people in the cricket club had been uh, really good to him and really good for him and for his self-confidence. And so I wanted to give something back. Uh, but obviously, you know, a number of years ago, it, it's a very male dominated environment. And uh, I was um, asked to be the secretary of the cricket club. And that caused a lot of controversy because first of all, I was a woman, but secondly, I didn't play cricket. And it was the idea that, you know, you have to be a cricketer to run a cricket club, but actually you don't. Uh, you have to have the skills that are very similar to the skills that I use in school, uh, which are obviously dealing with people, organizing, building relationships, having strategic vision, all of those kind of things. And so to be fair, uh, I mean, I had a few, uh, I ha was not invited to a dinner, for example, because I was female, even though I was a member of the club. And I have had a few trials and tribulations. Another good example, this is quite a funny one. It, this wasn't at my cricket club, but I, when I took over as the secretary, I went to watch my team playing in a cup final. Uh, and I drove in in my car and the two men at the gate says to me, hey, love, the catering staff's around the back. <gasps> you know, and I was like, excuse me, you know, I'm the secretary. It's great. Oh, thank you. Um, but now, um, as as time has gone on and people have, have seen the contribution that I have made, um, you know, I'm quite infamous now in the cricket world. Everybody knows who I am. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I have um, been elevated further to be uh, on the executive, which is the secretary of rugby, hockey and cricket. Um, and I have also been asked to speak at rugby lunches, which was, again, an area where females never trod. Uh, never mind a female speaking at a rugby dinner, but a female involve a cricket speaking at a rugby dinner. Like, that's just, <laughs> whoo, whoo, that's way off. But I'm, I've been asked for the third year in a row. I'm doing it after Christmas. So obviously I'm doing something right. Um, but I, a lot of people will say to me, like, oh, how can you be bothered with that? You know, you spend all your day organizing people and, um, you know you know busy you're busy all day and then you're doing that as well but i think it's very important that uh, you do have a balance because as you said it gives you energy i mean if you read um a lot of uh, information from uh you know mental health uh, i'm just looking for the the organization that i was i'll find it in a minute and um, that i had read about volunteering being one of the main things to do uh, as part of your work-life balance even though it seems that it's madness uh, but it's the idea that you are and also you are finding a new group of people and that's you know i have found some really great friends in the cricket club um and i have um enjoyed having a different group of people in my life as well as obviously you know uh, my colleagues at school so that for me has been a really and, and just even the simplicity of it you know just being able to go down to sit in the bunker uh, we call it the bunker, um, and look out and watch people. And it's so calm. 
uh, and on a, on a lovely sunny day, it's wonderful. And I've been all around Ireland. I've seen lots of lovely places. And uh, so, yeah, you know, I think that that complements the job that I have and also actually gives me energy, even though it's something else that I'm giving to. See, this just sounds like exactly what I was hoping for, really, with this discussion, which is looking at some practical yes. things that that have impacted you and, and why you are still thriving and enjoying yeah. this career that so many do get burnt out and leave. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really had an impact then on you as a teacher and a leader. Yes, I, th I, I think so. And I, I think as well, you know, I, I was trying to, when I was preparing for this, I was trying to think, you know, what is the... What is the biggest if you look at the statistics as you were said at the beginning like the statistics are terrible like 84 percent of senior leaders you know admit to feeling stress 87 percent of them um admit to having um you know symptoms um and in the teacher world generally not just senior leaders you're looking at 70 percent like it's according to the office for national statistics like that is huge um, and i was trying to think you know if i was to try and summarize I, I think a lot of it amanda is linked to self-acceptance you have to accept who you are I, I said that earlier when i said why i'd stayed in the same school for for 30 years and there has to be a self-acceptance and if you because uh, i've seen a lot of things on twitter about people being worried about moving up and um, leadership maybe to middle or senior leadership because maybe they've got a family and if that's what you want to do then you have to accept yes that's what i'm going to do but it may mean that you have to say no to other things and mm -hmm. that's okay um and for example you know i think one of the big issues is is parenting and what what is happens is that you think uh well i really really want to go you know i really want to be at that school nativity or i really want to be at that but if your senior leadership job is such that you can't, well, then you have to accept that. You know, when I look back now, I think my children are now 27 and 23. When I look back, I was a senior leader, they were two and six. Um, and basically, um, I accepted that there were certain things that I was now. I, I am in a school now, or sorry, the school, uh, you know, that I'm in is very good about things like that. It's very fortunate about things to do with your children. But there are some things you just have to say no to. And and like I think I was thinking back to my own kids, you know, they both learned to make pancakes in after school. That's OK. I didn't teach them, but that's fine. Uh, you know, and it's about realizing that, you know, I'm working. I can't bake for the school sale. Um, I can't go to a Christmas thing in the afternoon and accepting that and, and realizing that that's part of the person who you are and that's how you run your family. Um, and, and I think that that's a really big thing and don't feel guilty about those things. I do have a few more wee practical tips regarding that if you want me to move on or if you want to say something before I do that. I just tried to note down some of the things that I had done, you know, coming through the system and trying to balance that idea of family and, and home. I think that would be really helpful. Okay. Um, so, for example, one of the things that I would have done is uh, I found a group of um, of other mums that I affiliated with, um, and what I would have done is one of the things strikes. One of mine was invited to some super duper Santa thing, and it was in the afternoon. You know, one of these that you have to book like six months in advance. And obviously I couldn't go. Um, and I asked one of the other mothers and I, I, that's what I started to do. I would say, look, could you take Thomas to that? Or you could you take my daughter Alex to something? And then what I would have done is then when I was off in the summer, I would have returned the favor. And I was always very honest about that. I was like, you know, I can't do pickups necessarily. I can't do things like that, but 
I can take them for a day in the summer holidays or at half term. Uh, when I became a senior leader and I knew I had to be in early in the mornings, uh, another mother um, lives beside me. She took my children to school for me at that time. And then I helped her children with their homework. You know, so it's about finding people around you. And for some people, family are great. You know, my, my parents um, and my in-laws, when they were alive, would have gone to things instead of me. And my children, I have to tell you, don't uh, now go, oh, you didn't go to that. They remember, mm -hmm. they remember the activity and they remember somebody being there. So we have to not beat ourselves up about that. Um, so I think I think that's very important, making deals with people almost and finding a group of people uh, that you can that you can rely on uh, in times of, of certain things that maybe you can't get to and being honest with the school. I was always very honest with school that I was working um, and that I couldn't do certain things. And if there was a cake sale on, I used to send in like at those days a fiver because I didn't have time to bake a cake nor probably even go to the shop to buy some. So be honest, it's a bit idea of coming back to ask for help. And then in schools, if your children are in schools, school, the teachers there know what you're experiencing. So they're always much more willing to help you. But you have to just be, be open and honest. And I think that's that, that's very a, a good thing. Um, I also think that uh, we are, and I was very fortunate not to be part of this, but uh, you know, a lot of parents I know in school um, are all in these WhatsApp groups and their WhatsApp groups of the class. And a couple of them said to me, you know, it takes me half an hour to read them all at night. Well, you know, what a waste of half an hour of your life. You know, reading WhatsApps from people who are sending stupid messages about, you know, what costume they're doing for their children on Roald Dahl World Book Day. Get off them. Get off them. Be confident that you know what your child needs to do at school, that you know what that relationship is, and you don't need to involve yourself with uh other people's comments because all it makes you do to be honest with you it makes you feel inadequate because the people that are posting on that are generally not the people that are all are working maybe as, as the hours that you're working and i i would say for your own mental health don't get involved in those that would be my advice um because i do think that uh you know you need to be focusing and it's the same as well amanda i wouldn't have i became quite canny in what i was what i went to you know, my husband is in a, you know, in a world where he gets invited to a lot of do's and a lot of meals and all sorts of things. And I used to go to them all. And the same when your child's at school, there'd be the P2 mummy's night out and the P2. And I actually, you know, went to one of those and thought, I don't enjoy it. It's all competitive. It's all about, you know, my child can swim 100 meters in, you know, so many seconds. Uh, and I just, I became quite um, good at looking at things and just saying, no, that's not of interest to me. You know, I, I don't need to go to that um, because we fill our lives sometimes with a lot of things that aren't really necessary. And I think we can we could be more savvy about what we choose to go to and what we choose not to go to. I think, um, you know, one of my colleagues has up in his room a quote from Roosevelt, which says comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's totally true. You know, social media, everything now, we're always comparing ourselves to others. But be confident in yourself, in your family what you choose with, to do with your family um, and be self-accepting of that. Um, in my house as well, you know, um, in terms of the children uh, growing up, you know, again, you can find yourself being a taxi driver, which yes, at times I was, I'm not, I'm not saying that I wasn't, but you know, again, kids activities, do your kids need to go to all of these activities? My sister actually just gone back to work. She's got three children and she actually cut them all down to one each. And she says it's revolutionary. 
and I would have been the same. You know, I, I would have got them to do things that um, you know they enjoyed and and stuck to that. And the same with birthday parties. It could be at a birthday party every single week. And to be honest, I didn't. I would have said to them, "Do you really want to go to this one?" You know, because I wanted to spend time with them on a so Saturday afternoon. So don't get caught up in all of that. You know, do what you think is best for your family. Um, and even simple things like organizing, you know, we had a, an area in the house where everybody from they were in P1, they had to bring down, I would say, go and get your swimming stuff, go and get your PE gear, go get, and they had to leave it there. Um, and that's what was put in the car in the mornings. And uh, I remember one time my son didn't bring his swimming gear and the school phoned, you know, could you bring him his swimming gear? Uh, no, I can't because I work it. Um, and he didn't get swimming, but I tell you this, he never forgot his swimming stuff again. You know, we're too, we're, we, we, we get caught up by thinking that and even things like lunches, you know, I just said to my children, you have to have a school lunch, there's no debate. And when you're, when then they got old enough, when they wanted to pack lunch, they made it themselves. You know, like my, my, my daughter would probably tell she was psychologically damaged because I ran my house like a school, but <laughs> it was, it was the way in which I was able to survive. Um, and, you know, uh, I think that there are lots of simple things that we can do, but I think the problem is. Uh, we're too hard on ourselves and I think that is that's a major issue that's really brilliant Erica like that that's very honest everything that you were yeah. saying there and I know an awful lot of people will be able to relate mm -hmm. to everything you're saying there and I've spoken to so many people in the past who have struggled with balancing home and school yeah. or who've who've been put off applying for leadership roles because they're worried yeah. about finding that balance yeah. and I think yeah. The two main things that I was taking from what you were saying there were, first of all, the self-acceptance and realizing, yep. do you know, I remember someone explaining it to me once about, it's like, you're trying to, you're trying to juggle a load of balls and some of them are glass and some of them are plastic and you're going to drop some. Nobody can keep, keep them all in the air. So you just have to decide which ones are plastic and let them drop and focus on the glass ones and keep those safe. Yeah. So I think that, that realization of, you know, you're, you're not a, you're not a terrible teacher if you say actually no i can't do this voluntary event or i can't do this and you're not a terrible parent or mm -hmm. partner or friend or family member or daughter or son if you can't do every single activity or activity yeah, yeah. That comes. and okay. the other thing that i noticed was yet again and we've said this the whole mm -hmm. way through our conversation tonight relationships it's coming down to the relationships yeah. as well mm -hmm. and deciding which ones are important and important. you invest in them and you That's give right. the support and you get the support back i think that everything you were saying there about those practical ways that you can help balance things of when there are people that you can really rely on to help you let them yeah. help you let and them, then yes you let them help, help you them. that's that's exactly right let the, it's all, oh no no i'm fine i'm fine yes no no i can manage all that um you know no you can't so it it, it is about being honest and it is about and um, looking at that, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have a very supportive husband, you know, and we, again, in, in, in choices, you know, um, as I said at the start, if you say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. And certainly when my kids were growing up, you know, my husband didn't take anything to do with school. Um, and in fact, whenever my son was leaving P7, the headmaster actually said, oh, are you Mr. Luke? We thought you were a figment of Mrs. Luke's imagination uh, because they'd never actually seen him. Um, but that's not an indictment of my husband. The idea was that there's not, we felt that there wasn't any point in both of us going. You know, why should we both go? I'm the expert in that area. Well, in theory. Um, and so I would be the one that would go. Um, and then he did other things. You know, he, my husband was great. You know, he's great at running a house much better than I am 
you know, cooking, shopping, you know, he's good at the, and, and obviously helping out the pickups. So we kind of, you know, looked at what we were at. And I, I understand that and people will maybe disagree and say, no, both parents should be there. And, and that that's fine. But I, that's how I survived. You know, I, I, um, I we, we always made decisions to divide things out. Uh, between us, um, uh, unless they were leaving, so we could both go. But that's again another way of just not putting too much pressure that there has to be two. You know, the kids will not really remember that. I honestly, I can honestly tell you that. You know, one of we we, we entitled this, um, you know, uh, long days and short short years. And the reason for that is I was linking that to people with families because I see it so much on Twitter. Um, you know, it is a long day having a child, um, but. <laughs> It honestly goes so quickly. Uh, you know, I can remember bringing my son in through the front door uh, and it just seemed like a blinking of the eye and then he was heading off to university. And there was another choice. I didn't take him to university because it was September. It was the start of the school year. I felt it wasn't appropriate for me to be away from school for two days. Um, but he went with my husband, but it doesn't, you know, on my, on my father. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it, it, you don't have to. I'm, and again, people will probably go, oh, but I want to take my son to university. That's fine if you do. But sometimes you have to make choices. I don't know if you've read, Amanda, um, Jill Berry publicizes it's a YouTube video um, about subtraction, uh, addition and subtraction. It's very, very mm -hmm. clever. Um, and it's really worth, it's on YouTube. It's really worth a look. And um, basically what she says, and it's so true, that we solve every problem in teaching by adding. So, you know, if, if a child, if, a, if, if a children aren't doing well, what do we do? We give them more work, which we then have to mark. Um, if they're not getting it, we do revision classes, so we have to stay longer after school. Um, if there is behaviour, we do another detention. So we spend, teaching is a culture of addition. We solve problems by adding. And what she, in the video, um, it's all about subtraction. And I suppose that's really what I'm talking about. It's about looking at what can I actually not do? Um, how can I get around that problem without actually having to, you know, sit and mark another set of books or having to stand another day in the playground or having to make 10 phone calls? And it's it, it's really very clever. And, and I think that is what it's about. What what can you subtract? And it, it's actually OK for your on a, on a Saturday afternoon for your you and your children to sit in your pajamas and watch a film. You, know, you don't have to be going out to Dijitsu or something else. Um, and it's and, and it's accepting that. And I think that's that's very important. I think that sounds very relatable. And even in terms of one of the things to be subtracted, what you were saying about WhatsApp, WhatsApp groups and, and the competition oh. that can come between parents and between yeah. teachers as well. Like, yes, being able yes. To reduce that out of your life and go, oh, yeah, because sometimes I find from looking on Twitter and things, I'm yeah. looking at these wonderful displays and resources people make and people are so generous on Twitter. Yes, and absolutely. Will, and, and will you know, share things with you and all sorts. But there are times when I look at their their classrooms or what they've been doing and I think, oh my goodness, I'm ahead of English and I've yeah. not yeah, done anything right. like that in a I, long time. And you see them on the first day of the of the of the summer holidays and they're doing schemes of learning and you're like, oh my goodness, like I'm having a, a cocktail and land in the sun. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely I agree. And that's that is that idea of comparison. You know, just be satisfied yourself. I think there's also lots of other wee things that we can do. And again, I suppose it depends on the school you're in, but the school that I am in are very good about the concept of you know emails and out of hours. So there is no expectation that emails are to be answered um, out of out of working hours. Uh, and they encourage staff, if you want to, like maybe you have to get home, you know, 
and then I'll come back to this in a minute, but maybe you have to get home um, and then you do an hour's work later that or whatever later. But don't then say the email doesn't actually come to people at eight o'clock the next morning. And I think that has has a big impact. And um, what I was going to say about the long, the uh, long days and the short years is that life is about phases. You know, life, life goes in phases. So, you know, if you're worried about stepping up into senior leadership, because I know I was at the time and um, I was worried about my family and, and how that would impact. But the thing about it is it's all phases. You know, you you maybe are at a phase. Some people out there could be at a phase now where they have to get up at half five on a Sunday morning. I used to, my husband used to get up on the Saturday morning and I used to get up on the Sunday. And you're lying there at half five, you know, playing Lego going, oh my goodness, you know. Um, but then eventually, you know, that changes. Then the next thing is you can't get them out of bed. You know, and, and one minute they're, you know, you're running them here and then the next minute they're driving, you know. So you're, you're not in that phase that you currently are in forever. And if you if you really want to be a senior leader and, or you really want to step up, and if the opportunity is there, you know, go for it. Because in another 18 months, two years, the phase that you're currently in with your family could have could have moved on. Um, it's not just, I mean, I know I'm talking a lot about children, but the reason I'm talking about children is because that's what I see on Twitter. And so I'm trying to address, you know, address that. But it could be looking after elderly parents. It could be, you know, there are all sorts of different issues that people have, but everything passes and moves on to another phase. You know, I'm in a phase of my life now where my children live in Edinburgh. Um, you know, I've got empty nest syndrome, which was absolutely wonderful. I would recommend it to anybody. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, I can, I am now my own master of time, so I can, and, and that's, that's wonderful, but that's, you know, I have come out the other side of that. And I keep saying that to people, just enjoy the phases that your life goes through because the years are short and that that's honestly very true. I loved that. Um, I, and I was going to mention that at some point that the title for tonight's show came from you and as soon as you suggested it I just loved it. it it really resonated with me because the days and just from from a teaching perspective the yeah. days do sometimes oh, seem yeah. quite long yeah. especially when there are <laughs> a lot of things that pop up during the day that you're yeah. firefighting and you're thinking oh my goodness there's this I haven't done yet and haven't got that done I'll need to do this but then I was talking to some of my students last week and they said something about they asked some question about when I started teaching and I realized that was 14 years ago. Yeah, same. 14 same. years. I don't know where that's gone. Gone. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't know, something strange, maybe maybe someone who teaches physics can come in and, and help us with this one, but I don't <laughs> understand how there are days when a double period seems to last forever. Yeah. Usually the ones yeah, where if, right. the, if see if the students are doing a test, because mm -hmm. I think this is something we probably both have in common. I'm not very good at setting silently while no, the students no, are doing something. No, I'm not. And I know no, that I'm has not. to be part of it. <laughs> but I find those lessons or where you're, you know, invigilating exams and things. It's just so dull. I'm used to talking to them. That's right. How, That's that, right. Can, how that can seem to last forever. But the 14 years that I've been teaching has just gone in a flash. It's so like I, I loved that you suggested yeah. that as the title because it really does. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. And, and it, it moves and it changes. And, you know, you you will find yourself, you know, you know, I always it's one of the things that I always tr tried to do is, you know, it's very difficult. I appreciate that to keep, you know, school and home separate. Um, I live 
um, a, a good wee bit away from school. So by the time I get home, you know, I've kind of uh, decompressed a little bit. Um, and I do try to do as much as I can. And But I appreciate when my kids were small, I, I didn't do that because I wanted to go. And again, that's another thing, you know, looking for schools that have wraparound care. Uh, you know, my, my children went to school um, that uh, I could, uh, well, at, at one point I couldn't leave them off because I was doing the cover and that's when I had another friend step in. But I certainly could have picked them up and I could pick them up any day up until six o'clock um, if I wanted to. And sometimes grandparents, you know, lifted them, that was grand. But, you know, that is finding that level of support um, even in, in schools, you know, be very, be very canny about that. I think that's, that's very important because then as a, as a parent, you can go and pick them up if you, if you, you know, if you so wish to do that. Um, all of that is, is very important um, because it, it does all go very quickly. And I would also say to people, you know, outsource what you can. I mean, I, I appreciate we live in at times of, uh, you know, times are tough, but I have always um, had a cleaner. And um, that's always for me in my house being a non-negotiable. I would be happy to sacrifice something else because I didn't want to spend my time cleaning. If I had free time at the weekend and whatever, I wanted to spend the time with my family um, or doing some things by myself. Um, you know, I would say if my children and husband will listen to this back, they'll be saying, oh, you know, you were always running off doing your own thing. I can always remember when my son was six weeks old and I sang in a band. And I came down the stairs all dressed up to the 99s and all my glittery stuff. And my husband was standing with Thomas in his arms, sort of giving me a look like, you know, oh, really? Um, and I said to him, you know, David, I've got to keep my independence. <laughs> he sort of just walked <laughs> off. Um, so, you know, I've always been very good at getting my nails done and all the rest of it and, and looking after myself. But, um, you know, I don't want to cleaning for me. And I know it's expensive and I appreciate not everybody can afford it. But if there's anything that you can outsource you know, even on any in, in any way, you know, look for those things in your subtractions that perhaps you don't necessarily, you know, need to be doing. Um, that's always, you know, even if you have like uh, maybe like a nephew or a niece or something like that. You know, I I know um, a couple of my friends, you know, had that slightly older nieces nephews and they paid them like to run the Hoover around or to wash the bathroom. You know, it might not be done to your exacting standards, but you know, it's it's it saves you a wee job. That's what it's I'm a subtraction. always looking for. It's a subtraction, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. While we're on those lines, yes. how important do you think it is for students to see teachers as having a full life and interests and commitments outside of school, like family life or singing or cricket or yeah. or, or anything? I know there are some people that would be very, very clear on having them compartmentalised and not wanting to talk about anything personal with students, which is entirely their choice. And I'm not criticising yep. that. No you would be more open i suppose in, yeah. in some ways would you be would that yeah. be right i would totally your... yeah totally agree with what you say i mean i've read a lot of things again on twitter i have my way you know because i as you can imagine my life is very full so it's very very highly organized and i do my uh, i lie in bed on a sunday morning and my husband brings me tea and that's when i do my guilty pleasure of twitter educational twitter uh, on a sunday morning for about 45 minutes and catch up on it all um and i do read a lot of things where people uh, say about the fact that you shouldn't tell uh, you know pupils anything about yourself it should be a strictly a professional relationship and i suppose amanda that does maybe depend on what kind of school you're in because for some schools maybe you just couldn't um, but personally, from day one, I mean, I remember when I first came to Bloomfield, excuse me, or came to school, I um, I brought in my photograph, I brought in my wedding album, 
and showed it to them. Um, and I have always, I teach business studies. Now I don't teach economics anymore um, because it, 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 business studies became so popular. Uh, but, you know, I use, my family have businesses. I meet lots of people in cricket who have businesses. I meet uh, along the way when I sang in the band and the cowpacks, they all had their own businesses. Um, and so I use that as examples. I use examples of how my two, both of my children study differently than the other one and how you can study. And um, I use examples um, from, uh, you know, from experiences that I have had, customer services experience, taking stuff back to shops. You know, my whole lessons are all about that. And I, for me, that that is what forges the relationship because they see what kind of person I am and then they forge a relationship with me and I, I mean I, I just I've looked at some stuff on Twitter and thought oh my goodness if I was in that school I'd have to resign uh, and maybe that comes back to what I was saying earlier about finding a fit yeah you know for the school you're in but I agree with you there are some people who don't want to do that and that's absolutely fine everybody finds their own niche I remember when I did my PGH professional qualification headship and um, I listened to uh two very eminent heads talk about uh, how they had turned a school around and one of them was like me he was all go all energy all woohoo you know and he was like me he was tiny as well because I'm only five foot um and uh, which is why I wear high heels all the time and the other one was very he was like um a bit would have reminded of of a statesman like almost like your granda you know gray hair very calm very quiet and it was the first time in my life that was in 2006 that i remember thinking gosh there's different ways you know there are actually different ways to to be to do things these are two definitely totally two different approaches similar types of schools and yet they both worked so you know while that's my way of teaching and why i feel that i am real to parents i mean i do a lot of interviews with parents a lot and some of them are in despair because they don't know what to do with their kids their kids won't come to school and um, you know their school i deal with school refusers they won't come to school i have you know or they won't do work or whatever and i you know i'm able to empathize with them you know and say you know I've, I've seen this before you know don't be worrying about it you know i've dealt with a couple of my friends children you know and i try to use my life experience to suit them um and i've always felt that that makes me real and it makes the girls know and the parents know who i am but i appreciate it's not for everybody and it probably does depend what kind of school you're in well i know it definitely works for some students because i had a conversation like going back a while but i had a conversation with someone who you had taught mm -hmm. who and this is why i knew that you would be great for being able to give advice as to why you have been able to last so long in teaching and mm -hmm. still you're enjoying still looking at at everything that you're still wanting to do and what she what she told me was <laughs> oh dear amanda I, i'm, I'm waiting here with great breath <laughs> this is a, a student who said you know mrs luke manages to sneak teach you she sneak teaches you because she'll tell you a story about her son and you don't realize that you're learning something about business studies and she tells a story about what thomas was doing and by the end of it somehow you've learned about unique selling points for a business <laughs> and they said and her friend was her friend agreed and said yes i think mrs luke could teach anything for example if i went in and she was there sitting in the physics lab to teach physics i can just picture it already she would go energy i'll teach you about energy would you hear what i did yesterday <laughs> would go through everything that she'd been doing and by the end you would understand energy you would understand it, yeah so it, yeah it's it's like you say it's it's a technique 
or it, it, it's almost like a strategy. And I think, you know, bringing in that positivity to your, you know, I love talking to the girls, uh, you know, some of them hang around after class and have a bit of a laugh. And, you know, that that's all just lovely. I, I, at the end of my day, I've done this for a very long time now, probably for about 20 years. At the end of the day, you, we always have an end of day routine, don't we? Whether it is, um, for me, it's usually washing my teacups um, and then I close down my computer. Um, and I either write it on a post-it or sometimes I just think it, but I just sit on, in my in my office um, and I just think of something that day that I have done that has helped someone. That could be a, a member of staff, it could be a parent, it could be you know uh, a pupil. Uh, and that's when I walk out my door and shut my door at the end of the day, that's what I'm thinking. And even if I've had a day that hasn't gone very well and has been difficult, that's what I leave school with, that thought. And I have found that really revolutionary. I think that small positives um, shine a light and actually shine a light on the things in your day that weren't really so good. I, I know a, um, a very eminent heart surgeon and it's called, actually, I've discovered uh, that it's called the reco a, a recovery activity. I didn't know it had a name. You know, I just did it. I was on a course and somebody suggested it. Um, and uh, he, what he does is he plays a video game. So he, I mean, he obviously is in a very high stress situation where he's, you know, you know, dealing with people's hearts. Uh, but then he plays, before he leaves, he shuts his computer down and then he plays a video game and then he, and then he heads out. You know, so I think uh, even that is, it's just a wee tip, but it, it, it sounds a bit corny, but it actually does give you a wee spring in your step as you're leaving school. No, I think that's great. I don't think that sounds corny at all. I think that sounds really helpful. And I did, I started doing something similar a few years mm -hmm. ago. My husband got me a lovely uh, diary, a lovely Terry Pratchett. There's my, my English coming through again, nice. but lovely yes, Terry Pratchett yes. diary. And I had been reading different things, especially then once we got into lockdown, I found this helped. I would jot down just one thing that had been good oh. in that day, just one thing. Uh -huh. What I discovered looking back over it was I am very food oriented. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, seems, yeah. Seems yeah. I'm a woman of simple pleasures. And as long as a day yeah. had a dinner in it, I was quite happy. Uh -huh. But I like that idea of making it something school focused to help you almost switch off as you're leaving to help prevent burnout if you're able to go. Look, oh, and I like the honesty as well and accepting that some days are not, you're not going to feel like that everything's gone well that day. No. But being no. able to focus on, yeah, but I helped that one person to understand this yeah. or to to deal with this issue that they were having or whatever it might be and being able just to have that built in as a routine of this is how I am choosing to focus the end of my day this is what I'm going to leave thinking about and then that is your off switch I suppose as yeah. well yeah it is and you know I always say um you know if you if you never I say this a lot to the pupils and um, if you never taste a bad apple you'll never know what a good one tastes like and, and that's true. We, we live in a world, I think, with mental health. Uh, you meant, mentioned it earlier, where everybody thinks that you have to feel super dupe all the time. But life isn't like that. You will have troughs, you will have bad apple, um, and then you will have really good days. And if you don't have bad days, then you can't have the good days. So life isn't supposed to be that you feel wonderful and brilliant every day. You know, life actually um, is, is up and down. And that's actually what makes the good days really good. You know, if I look back on the 30 years and, and the days that I think are really good, um, you know, uh, you know, like in house competitions, watching four four sisters stand and singing um, or watching, uh, you know, watching the girls perform. I, one of the things I've been involved in school is school musicals. 
um, and Annie and Joseph and watching some wee girls who actually one of them we found she was an amazing singer we found her singing in the corridor that's how we discovered her um, and and those are like those are such highs um, that they get you through the lows um, what we do very often is we focus on the bad things we focus on the bad conversations we've had with parents the difficult conversations we've had with parents and we focus on those kind of things uh, rather than the good i was doing an assembly the other day actually and i was talking about you know we live in a world where everybody talks about red flags oh that's a red flag oh that's a red flag um and we live in this negative world um and what about talking about the green flags you know what are the green flags in in your friendship what's the green flags in your relationship what's the green flags in your teaching and um, it's not just the red flags. And I think we've been we've been moved to uh, view life that life always has to be rosy, which it isn't. And we've moved to a position where we're looking for the negative. Uh, and I was saying to the girls, look for the green lights. You know, I think that's brilliant. I'm, I'm jotting these down so that then <gasps> before we finish, we can have a little list of some of the lessons that have come out from this discussion. So far, we're on nine. So if we get another Ooh. one in the next oh, wow. few minutes, then that, that Ooh, seems a fairly lovely way to, to summarize. Yes, yes, you were talking absolutely. there about whenever you look back over your career so far, what do mm -hmm. you think are some of the biggest changes that you've seen or, or, I, or what hasn't changed? You know, what, what, do, what do you notice there in terms of, of what's changed yeah. or what's different? What are the key things that kind of stand out for you? Well, I think that obviously since I started teaching, um, teachers have become uh, much more than uh, just a just to say just a teacher. That's not really it. But you know, we, we when you go into teaching, you were teaching. That was it. Now we've become, you know, we're involved with social workers. We're involved with mental health. We're involved with, um, you know, a much wider range of social problems than uh, we were before. Um, you know, we're we're um, we are. Uh, extremely underfunded uh, in education. We're all teaching much heavier timetables uh, and the, restress, the resources are stretched. I would say that is the biggest thing that I see. And obviously mental health, you know, mental health is now a huge issue uh, in schools and, it, and COVID obviously didn't help, but um, it, it really is quite frightening when you see the statistics and the help that is, uh, you know, the resources for mental health in young people um, is just so, so poor. And you see girls, it breaks my heart. I see girls who are sitting on waiting lists for four or five months. And during that time, it's paralysis because they actually can't get any assistance or any help. Um, and so for me, those are some of the, you know, the, the more the things that have definitely changed. But what hasn't changed is um, the, the fact that it's a fantastic job. I, I love it. I, I, you know, um, uh, the passion that I have for it and uh, the people that I meet, uh, the new teachers that I meet and the pupils that come in um, all of that hasn't changed. They're all great. They're there to learn. They're thirsty. Um, and no two days in a school is ever the same. And that's one of the things that I love about it. You know, one day you could be uh, running around, as I say, stopping water. Um, you know, and another day you could be standing on the stage singing Grease, you know. Um, and that's what that's what I love about school life. I think that's such a, a positive note as well to look at. And yes, it's not, as, as you've said so many times throughout this, it's not pretending everything is rosy and that every day is going to be brilliant. It's looking at it realistically with acceptance that there will be these really good times and there's also going to be the negatives. Mm -hmm. But looking yeah. at it, looking at it on the whole, coming back to, to the title that you'd suggested of long days and short years, those those difficult bits might seem long at the time, but 
the, the years themselves if you are enjoying it if you're in the right career and if you're in the right school yeah really will yeah. fly by and some of those things learn like I, I can one of the and I, I think that in, in teaching very often there are times in your teaching career when you can be more vulnerable than others I know that when I came back from my first maternity leave um, and I rocked in you know and I had a new briefcase new shoes new outfit new everything um, and I rocked into my year 13 class they were sick and there was about 25 of them um, and they all started staring at me and I just lost my confidence I lifted my briefcase and I'd be teaching maybe what seven years this time eight years no yeah but yeah seven years and I lifted my briefcase and I went home and I honestly at that day never thought I would maybe go back um and I thought I got the, the courage to, to phone school at about three o'clock and say you know I walked out at three minutes past nine and no one had even noticed it had left <laughs> <laughs> which was actually you know, very funny um but you know that was a very uh, and it was the principal she she phoned me back and she said come in in the morning and I said oh I don't know if I could do this you know and um and she and she was yeah look you can uh and you know if there are times when you have vulnerability but then that's the times that you learn that sustain you then you know with, with the good times and, and you balance it all out excellent well I think we have top 10 erica look tips Ooh, fantastic. for enjoying a career in teaching thriving <laughs> in it, not just surviving and they go right the way from nqt the whole way up so number one don't lie on your cv <laughs> number two you have to get yourself a support network number three as an nqt everybody wants you to do clubs and everything else but you have to decide what you want to be involved in Number four, very practical. Any trips, count them in, count them out. <laughs> Five, I think, is my favorite of them all. Find your fit. Find your fit. Six, don't sit in stress, ask questions because it's not a weakness. Seven was volunteer. You meet new people and it gives you energy. Eight, find people you can rely on to help you and accept that you can't do it all and that's okay nine yeah. every day think about how you have helped one person and then 10 i'm going to separate this one out into look for the green flags as well not just the reds yeah that sounds that's actually been a very yeah i i was thinking how will an hour and a half go in but it's gone in very quickly <laughs> <laughs> i had no i had no doubt whatsoever that it would because as i said on twitter or x as it is now whatever i was promoting the show born storyteller Erica Luke. <laughs> so I had no no compunctions there whatsoever. Well, Erica, thank you so much for no problem. joining me tonight and for sharing what you have found in the in your teaching career so far. And I keep stressing so far because I don't want this to yeah. look like oh, it's 30, 30 years now and yeah, just finished. Yeah, no, it's yeah, 30 no, years. It's no, 30 no, years and you're as full of passion husband. as ever. Yeah. My husband tells me I have to still have to keep going. So <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Now, I, I don't know what I would do if I, yeah, no, it's not, it's not on the card, certainly at the moment. I'm sure my boss won't be too happy. <laughs> I'm only joking. But thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your wisdom. So thank you very thank much. You very and much. thank you for listening live, people who've been joining us in the studio. Yes, absolutely. Or yeah, anybody who, who downloads this to listen at a later stage. Thank you very much for joining us. And that yep. is us for tonight. Thank Brilliant. you. Okay, bye.